Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The White Sox do not grind. It makes them look selfish. It hurts the lineup as a whole. This major league group right now. Looks mediocre and it's really disappointing. One shift later. Jose to right field. Well struck. Very well struck. Get out of here. Bring him home for the lead. Top six. That man has a sense of urgency and a flair for the dramatic. The 0 2 to Abreu hit high in the air, deep left field. Back is Schwarber at the track. This ball is going to leave the yard. A two run home run for Abreu, and now it is five to two. Here's a deep drive to left. This is trouble, and Abreu has hit his third home run of the game. Well, we told you back in the sixth inning that Jose sometimes takes it into his own hands. We didn't believe at that point that three home runs later, he'd have a perfect night, four for four with a walk, and three bombs. Center field, Roberts got it, and the Sox win a seventh in a row. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. So that's all it took was a Sunday morning evisceration in hour one of Hit and Run last week, huh? Thank you for the uh, implied credit there, producer Sean Anderson. Of course, I don't get credit, but it's pretty funny that a week ago today, I was pounding the White Sox lineup for their horrific performance on Saturday in the doubleheader against the Cardinals. Remember that? Remember how bad they were? How they looked like the team that hadn't played in 17 days? They looked like the team that just drove up from St. Louis in 41 rental cars? That's a long time ago. Life moves fast. They've won seven in a row. They have hit 27 home runs in that span, which is an apparent MLB record. They have hit 54 homers as a team. They lead Major League Baseball in home runs. They are tied with the thrilling San Diego Padres. And that feels right, doesn't it? Padres hit a bunch of homers when they pounded the Astros yesterday. They they have 11 home runs in two games at Wrigley Field against the Cubs as they've beaten the Cubs, what, 10 to 1, and then yesterday, 7 to 4. Good morning, everybody. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. Um, one of those mornings when it's just, it just feels awesome to get to wake up and talk baseball with you. And we'll do it all morning long, 312-644-6767. That's the phone number to call. That's also the phone number to text. 
We have a lot to discuss and some cool guests coming on. Sean Marshall's been really good on Marquee, especially on pre and post. He kind of clued us all into the Craig Kimbrell mechanical issue that we have been following along with. And we'll talk with Sean Marshall about that and uh, about some other stuff. Well, Ed, I, I want to ask him about the kid that took his job in Cincinnati in 2012. Sean Marshall was the closer in Cincinnati. And then this kid shows up uh, named Aroldis Chapman. I want to know what Sean Marshall thought the first time he saw that guy throw a baseball. Uh-oh, uh-oh, might lose my gig, as anybody would. So we'll talk to Sean Marshall at 10. A.J. Pruszynski is going to be on the show at 11 o'clock. A.J. is part of um, of the fabric of Cubs socks. You can't have a Cubs sock series without A.J. coming up, but we will discuss a lot more than just the uh, the smack of home plate that made Michael Barrett testy. We'll discuss more than that. I, I want to know if there's anything about that that people don't know. Maybe he won't even tell us, and I kind of don't care if he tells us. I just want to know if like there's some facet of it that nobody knows about. It's among the things we'll talk about with AJ. He's terrific on Fox, breaking down games, talking as a catcher, usually as a, as part of the battery. I, I remember when I liked him um, best first was when I heard him with Smoltz. He and Smoltz together doing a playoff game. But, you know, AJ's gotten really good at that job, so we'll talk to him. Chris Kamka, our man, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us at 1140 to tie the room together. And you get bonus Spiegel, bonus hit and run today. We are on until 1220 when Zach Zabman will take over with Cubs pregame for uh, an hour. And then you've got Cubs and Sox right here on the score at 120. After Cubs Sox today, by the way, uh, Zach will be back for postgame. And then after Zach, Molly and Ha are going to be on right here on the score. A special post post game after Zach today. That's cool. So bonus Molly and Ha before they rejoin you tomorrow morning. So all that's coming up. Your uh, calls, your texts are not merely welcome to their elemental to the very completion of uh, the broadcast at 312-644-6767 as we are broadcasting to you live from the Hyundai Studios. And uh, the Hyundai Studios are right here in my house, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And the Cubs Sox series on the score is presented by Xfinity. Xfinity X-Fi delivers blazing fast Wi-Fi with no curveballs. 11 homers in two games. The Sox are beating the bejesus out of the Cubs. Third starter, John Lester, absolutely torched on Friday. The Sox destroy left-handed pitching. They lead MLB with 19 homers and a 994 OPS against left-handed pitching. Also, interestingly, they're 15th in strikeouts against left-handers, and they strike out a lot. They're fourth in Ks overall, so that tells you something. They make a lot more contact against lefties. Okay, well, how about, how about Kyle Hendricks? How about your opening day starter? How about the professor? Beat him around a little bit. Beat him around. La Pantera, Luis Robert, starting them off both nights. Carbon copies, second inning, two run shots. And then Jose Abreu stepped to the four. And we got to talk about him for a moment. We're going to talk about Javier Baez a little bit later this hour. But let's talk about Jose Abreu for a moment. Because this actually came up on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday with me and Bruce Levine. That the two guys that I respect the most in terms of their game, how they've worked on their overall game, what they bring to the team as players every day, on each team, 
the ones that I respect the most are the first basemen, are Abreu and Rizzo. As ball players, what they bring to the table is remarkable. I mean, I've talked about Rizzo and his approach with two strikes a ton of times. It's what everybody's everybody should do on that lineup uh, it, it, in, in baseball in terms of shortening up, trying to make contact. It is, it's a simple bit of selflessness that not enough people do. As well as his consistency in showing up and he's never played, what, less than 100 and, has it 148 games? He hasn't played less, even with all the back issues, just shows up and produces. And Abreu just shows up and produces. You're, you're familiar with his production in the six-year contract. You're familiar with all of that, but and, and Jose Abreu as, as as a hitter in his career, with two outs and men in scoring position, has an OPS over 950. Does does Jose Abreu? So if you feel like you watch him and he bears down in the clutch, that he has better at bats with men in scoring position. That's because he does. But I, he was emotional last night. He was emotional after the game. And I'm trying to, in thinking about it this morning, trying to figure out why. And I want to make sure that people understand the scope of that man's life, that man's career. We're going to have a meeting of the Jose Abreu Appreciation Society. I used to call meetings on Twitter, uh, gosh, a decade ago, nine, nine years ago, of the Paul Canerco Appreciation Society. Because Canerco, like Rizzo, like Abreu, just the way that he went about his business, busting his hump, uh, concentrating, focusing, the relentless mindfulness that it takes to be really good, the consistency into his 30s to be that good. So much respect for Paul Canerco. And my respect for Jose Abreu is right there, too. We have Anthony Rizzo talking about him. So Anthony Rizzo is a member as well of the Jose Abreu Appreciation Society. This is Rizzo from last night. Uh, just a lot of respect. A lot of respect. I mean, he's he's does it every single year, year in and year out. Um, has been the staple there when they weren't very good. Uh, when they were good, I believe, went early. Um, but, you know kind of not really filling the shoes, but replacing a legend and Pauly Canerico is no easy bill. Uh, and he's just come in year in and year out and has been one of the most underrated first basemen in the game, in my opinion. Just every year he's close to 300. He's got over 100 RBIs, 30-plus homers, and it's just his approach is solid. Um, he's He's great to talk to over there at first base, and it's a lot of respect for him because it's not easy what he does, and he does it year in and year out. Anthony Rizzo is a guy who knows exactly what it's like to be the best player on a team that stinks and to be waiting for the team to get good. He knows exactly what that's like. And he has a lot of respect for Jose Abreu, understandably so. I'm going to talk more about him. We're going to talk more about his night and explain why he got emotional. And you'll hear uh, what he had to say from last night. We'll do that in a second. But there is breaking NFL news, breaking Bears news uh, right here on 670, the score. So we will... uh, turn hit and run into bump and run for a moment. There's a statement from the NFL that I will read you. We'll bring in Mark Grody in a matter of moments on the scores hotline. But here's the statement from the NFL. Saturday's daily COVID testing returned several positive tests from each of the clubs serviced by the same laboratory in New Jersey. We are working with our testing partner, BioReference, to investigate these results while the clubs work to confirm or rule out the positive tests. 
Clubs are taking immediate precautionary measures as outlined in the NFL, NFLPA's health and safety protocols to include contact tracing, isolation of individuals, and temporarily adjusting the schedule where appropriate. The other laboratories used for NFL testing have not had similar results. So that's the NFL saying several positives from each club, and they're worried that it might be the testing facility. It's a big part of it. Obviously, you know, baseball converted a doping facility into their own testing facility. They had their issues when they launched. I was wondering why we hadn't heard anything about positive tests really in the NFL as they've been getting going. That seemed weird to me. And now we're getting several positives and the NFL is hoping and praying that it's the fault of the laboratory. The Bears also released a statement this morning. This morning we learned yesterday's COVID-19 testing identified nine players and staff as positive. Nine. We followed additional NFL, NFLPA testing protocol and confirmed all nine results as false positives. Out of an abundance of caution, we postponed this morning's practice to this afternoon at 1.30 p.m. All right, so it seems like the Bears also think it is a laboratory testing issue, and they have confirmed them as false positives. Interesting. Let's bring in our guy, Mark Grody, who uh, covers the Bears so well for 670. The score, he joins us on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Weird scene this morning at Hallis Hall, Grody, right? Paint that picture for people, first of all. <laughs> Yeah, as I rolled up about 8.15 this morning, Speaks, uh, we were all one by one as we marched in. And there hasn't been a lot of media out here today, but as we marched up to the to the security gate that we go to on a daily basis, no matter what, they turned us away in sort of a cryptic fashion without any sort of details. And they said, eventually they said, uh, a PR person will be out here to let you guys know what's up. You know, probably about oh, 25 minutes after that, we received uh, a one-sentence email from the Bears letting us know that practice had been pushed back to what was supposed to be about a 9.30 in the morning practice to a 1.30 in the afternoon practice. So we are, for people who don't know, we are, we are slightly off the grounds of Hallis Hall right now. There's a little circle drive area as you mm-hmm. leave out of the, the business park and right outside of Hallis Hall. And uh, we're, we're kind of hanging out here still. A few people have bailed, but uh, it, it <laughs> is obviously we have we have received the information that we need. And, you know, the, the bear in this case, the, the bears are following the protocol. And as they said, out of a, an abundance of caution. So really, hopefully it's all good as far as the, the bears are concerned. But we'll find out more as this day goes on. And once we get into practice and then we'll get reaction from players and from Matt Nagy and from whomever. Maybe we'll have reaction from other people today when we do Zoom with the bears after the practice. But I'll be here. <laughs> Mark Brody will be there. Are you just gonna hang out up there for three hours? I don't know. You know? I'm trying to figure. I'm speaks. I'm trying to figure it out right now. So I'm just. It's. I mean, it's lovely here. I. I might just sure. leave my car, pop the hazards on, and take a little walk in Lake Forest, like I'm oh, looking that's, at the that's woods lovely. right now. Hey, yeah, man, there's, and, a, and I, there's a trail. Yeah, man. I, it, it's lovely up there. Go take a walk in a beautiful part of the world. Go sit and sit near the lake at a beach that you're not supposed to be on up there, you know, <laughs> and and listen, listen to hit and run for baseball conversation I, the rest I of your will. morning. I will. I will. I will. Well, wanted, you know, yeah, homers in a loop. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like, see, we've been through this in terms of covering baseball, right? 
We've been through this where early on there were false positives because testing can be funky. Um, laboratories, I mean, the NFL is just using a lab in New Jersey. I don't know. Remember, remember baseball had to find a second lab because they were using the one in Utah and that's all they were using. And like, yeah. that was the issue. So, so you gotta, you gotta figure all this stuff out. I, color me surprised that there hasn't been more talk about positive tests yet at all. Here yeah, no, it, it's it is interesting and it, it's a good thing. I will point this out that you know they were talking about the the lab in New Jersey. Yeah. The Bears actually use a lab in Minnesota. At least that's what we were told okay, early good. on. It's a, that it is a Minnesota lab, and I don't know if they also use the New Jersey lab, but yeah, the the Bears have gone the that the the Minnesota route, and I don't know if any of that has changed. But we'll, we'll these are things that we're going to find out today. Yeah, well, good good job, Groats. Um, let me know if you hear anything, especially when you're sitting there on the beach uh, up in Lake Forest. <laughs> <All right. laughs> See you, man. All right, man. That's Mark Grody joining us in the Alpamani Ford Hotline. So there you go. Nine positives for the Bears, but then they confirmed them as false positives. Maybe they sent them to Minnesota. Uh, but anyway, practice moved to the afternoon and everybody waiting for a little more clarity. That would um, that'd be a huge blow to the NFL if we don't even get to games and you've got outbreaks on on teams you know they 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 did physically just the other day start bashing each other around that's when those respiratory droplets are probably moving from body to body in rapid fashion so yeah uh scary scary stuff i'm sure for nfl passionate people for baseball passionate people it uh it interrupts hit and run but that's what breaking news does right here on the score we go back to socks and cubs this series, mm, Cubs Sox series on the score presented by Xfinity. Xfinity X5 delivers blazing fast Wi-Fi with no curveballs. As I segue back to the Jose Abreu Appreciation Society, the session in the meeting is in session. Uh, Anthony Rizzo just got up and stood his piece. Do most people know his story? You know, if you've been covering baseball for a while, you probably do. Um, but did do most people realize that Jose Abreu played 10 years in Cuba from age 16 to age 25? He played 10 years. Three times he hit 30 home runs in a season that lasted a little more than 80 games. One time he hit 33 homers in 89 games. He later would testify that he was making $20 a month as a first baseman and power hitter at age 25 in Cuba being that good. So like many, he decided to defect from Cuba. And these details are out there. He doesn't like talking about it. He didn't want to talk about it. Later on, he had to testify at a trial because the human traffickers that helped him defect from Cuba eventually went on trial and went to jail. He was smuggled by people who sell baseball talent, glorified personal managers who were really human traffickers. Jose Abreu on a 12-hour boat ride with six family members going through 15-foot waves in absolute terror. His future teammate and friend, Adrian Nieto, said that Abreu was afraid for his life many times on that boat ride. Left Cuba at night, scared for his life. Got to Haiti then eventually gets to the Dominican where he works out for teams. It's way more intense than that. Stories are out there if you want to know all the details of an unbelievably harrowing part of his life. At age 25, 25, 26, 
Kenny Williams, among those who sees the workout, the White Sox win the battle to get him, sign him to a three-year deal with three option years. They end up picking them all up because he was great. Jose Abreu got here, hit 30 and 100, 30 homers and 100 RBIs, like Rizzo referenced. He did it his first two seasons. Do you know who the only people in the history of Major League Baseball are to have 30 homers and 100 RBIs in their first two years? Sean, do you know? Two guys. Oh, Abreu being one of them. Abreu and Albert Pujols. That's it. Those are the only two guys who have ever shown up to the big leagues and had 30 homers and 100 RBIs in their first two seasons. Boom. He did it two more times over the course of the full six-year contract. Losing all the while. Never really playing games of consequence after the All-Star break. During that time, eventually, his family gets to see him play. Finally, the first time they saw him play was the 2014 All-Star game for Jose Abreu. But anyway, he plays out the entire six-year contract. Now he's a free agent. Is he going to leave? Is he going to go somewhere? Is he going to test the market? He's got a relationship here with the White Sox, a beautiful relationship. He has waited a long time for them to be good. And now he thinks they might be getting good. So now here he is, the pillar, the veteran after six seasons with all this talent around him. Will he still be good? Can he still be good? He's off to the best start of a season in his life in Cuba, anywhere, here. He's got 10 home runs. Abreu is absolutely killing it right now, completely on fire. Got 10 homers. He's got 27 ribs. Got an OPS over one. 1.013 is his on-base plus slugging. Slugging percentage of 652 right now for Jose Abreu. So not only is he good, he's playing great. And he looked great last night. And he was asked about how the night felt last night. Asked about how it felt to hit three home runs at Wrigley Field. And listen to him, and I I wanted to give you the full scope of his story so you remember what this is like right now for 33-year-old Jose Abreu. We have a a very good, uh, like I said before, a very good group of guys, you know, good guys, good personalities, and guys that are doing what it takes to to win games. Uh, It doesn't matter. I I don't think that nobody's uh, trying to... It's just about the team. Everybody's trying to do uh, what it takes to help the team win games, and and, and that's good. I mean, I think uh, I was uh, a little emotional today, uh, just just because you know you hear people saying uh, a lot of things about you, people that you know doubt about you, that maybe don't believe in you, and and you know, and you're proving they're wrong. Uh, you're proving that that you're worth. Uh, what you're doing and your value and you know and, and that's something that you know sometimes it it, it gets to you uh, and today was one of those moments and you know I, I'm just like I said before I'm just enjoying the moment enjoying this time I, I think this is a great time for this organization for this team and we just need to keep pushing forward. That's the voice of the translator Billy Russo. Sometimes it gets to you. Today was one of those moments. So Jose Abreu has felt disrespected with all that he's gone through and the excellence that he has played with. He has still felt disrespected, maybe because the free agent market wasn't very much for him, maybe because people have said he's old or that they stink or whatever. Whatever it is, whatever that's motivating him, the full scope of it hit him last night and he was emotional. 
God, he looks good right now. Um, the my, my favorite Jose Abreu moment of this series so far, of the five home runs that he has hit, was the second one on Friday night when Jason Adam, the new Cubs pitcher, buzzed him. He buzzed the tower, went high and tight. And Abreu had to fall backwards, and I think he hit the, hit the deck. And he stood up, and you're usually expecting a slider, maybe outside corner off the edge, and you're expecting a guy, when you buzz the tower, you're expecting to have some kind of effect. So maybe that guy is then expecting that slider, and Jason Adam decides, no, uh, he's expecting that. That's why I'm going to sneak a fastball right over the plate. Abreu hit that what? Deep drive to left center. This is going to leave the yard. And Jose Abreu has hit his second long home run of this game. I believe that one was 479. Was that the longest of the two days so far? Sean, look that up for me. I know it felt like the longest. I mean, Eloy's was a bomb. Grandal's was a bomb. But that second one that Abreu hit that night, I just... And and it was just the way he did it. It was a fastball. Like, you have the audacity to buzz my tower and then throw me a fastball over the middle? Excuse me. Do you know who I am? Jose freaking Abreu. So it said just a badass. And if that's the guy, if you're getting this version, this proud, badass version of Jose Abreu in your three-hole, and you're getting this version of Tim Anderson... Energizer Bunny, baby, as your leadoff guy, then you can survive when Juan Moncada doesn't have a hit and looks slow still. Looks, I don't know if he's still affected by COVID or whatever, but that's your best player, and he doesn't look like it. But if Eloy's going to do this and Luis Roberts going to swing at the first pitch and hit some hit some blasts, two-run homer, and then he doubled, uh, was that he doubled really hard off the wall? Or was that Eloy who doubled really hard off the wall? One of them doubled so hard off the Wrigley wall. And with no fans there, and even through the ivy, you heard the smack off the brick. That exemplifies what the White Sox are doing. Just smacking the crap out of the baseball. Speaking of smacking the crap out of the baseball, it wasn't the longest home run hit. Eloy's 466 on Friday okay. uh, was the was the longest. But uh, it was the uh, second longest home run on Friday. 109 exit velocity, 27 launch angle, 452 on the distance, and an expected batting average of 1,000. <laughs> yeah, no, that's expected batting average. That's a hit. In any ballpark, that is a hit. Yet that's somehow what that means. E- Eloy's 102, 466 blast is like a 980 expected batting average. That doesn't make any sense at all. I don't, I don't need expected batting average for home runs. There it's are gone. things that I need, and there are things I don't need. And I would like you never to share that again. I would like you never to share an expected batting average on a home run. I'm watching the game. I understand it's probably a hit. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It was Eli, Eloy who doubled off the wall. So there, you know, there's a texter here at, at getting in. There were quite a few people on the score saying they shouldn't have re-signed him, even on a team-friendly deal. I have to believe his value as a Cuban veteran for Eloy and Luis is overlooked more than it should be. It, you are absolutely correct. What they have is very, very special. And not just for Eloy and Luis, but for all of the, uh, the Latin American players, for Dominicans, for, I mean, this guy was a, a legend in Cuba at age 25. They knew about him. He was a killer in Cuba. And he makes his way here and he's a killer in the big leagues. 
And Spies, Absolutely. it wasn't just the score. It was White Sox Twitter as well. And I think people forget how good he is. Like Jose Abreu, his rookie year was fourth in the MVP voting. The last mm-hmm. player to do that for the White Sox was 2010 Paul Konerko. And thinking of Paul Konerko, one of the most herald White Sox of my time, pretty much him and Mark Burley and Frank Thomas are like the three guys of my lifetime of Sox guys. Jose Abreu has a war of 22.6. Him and Paul Konerko play the same position. 18 years for Paul Konerko, a war of 28. So he has almost toppled one of the best first basemen, not named Frank, uh, Frank Thomas, in this franchise history in, what, 10 less years? I mean, it's yeah. insane what he's six, doing and the disrespect that he has received over his career. Six years and a month for Jose Abreu as a White Sox player. And it's going to be, you're going get to get to the end of his career and you're going to think, he's one of those guys, you're going to think, man, if he had those first four or five years in the majors on a normal career, and put all his numbers together, where would he be? We get bored by the number of home runs. You get desensitized by the fact that there are a lot of guys who can hit 30, 35 homers and drive in 90 runs to 105 runs. But he does it every single year, and he does it playing a very solid first base. He is not as good as Rizzo. He's not He's not a great first baseman. That is for damn sure. But it is pretty solid. And he's a veteran. He is a leader, especially by example. And last night was a huge night for him. And he deserves, at the very least, the first 25 minutes of hit and run to be a meeting of the Jose Abreu Appreciation Society. The Locked On White Sox podcast, uh, my guys Tannehill and Herb Lawrence, have just um, photoshopped Abreu onto my television for the picture with which I am saluting baseball. And I just retweeted that at Matt Spiegel 670. That's hilarious. Cubs and Sox is the story. There's lots to discuss. Chris Bryant to the injured list. Reynaldo Lopez looking pretty good. Kind of a piggyback with Gio Gonzalez. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about the struggling and scuffling Javier Baez. I, I wonder if last night was a bit of a turning point. We'll see. We'll see. I just want you to mark it on your calendar, okay? We can mark the specific moment that I wonder if we're going to look back on as a turning point for Javier Baez, who has been brutal. We'll talk about that next. Sean Marshall, top of the hour. A.J. Brzezinski at 11, right here on Hit and Run. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. To Encarnacion, rolled weakly to the shortstop Baez. He'll flip to first and that pulls Rizzo off the bag, but Anthony tags the runner going by 
and the umpire Laz Diaz hits the deck and Encarnacion has to jump over the body of the prone Laz Diaz at first. What a crazy looking play. I assume he's out. He is out at first base. Rizzo comes way off, tags the runner, and then Laz Diaz, yeah, he just he's laying there on the ground, and we'll see that one on the highlight reels quite a bit here in the next few days. It's just a routine <laughs> six to three putout. That's all it is, and it ends the inning. Sox don't score, they leave one, and there was also one umpire laying on his back as the inning ended. That was funny to see Laz Diaz go down. And Encarnacion does a really good job looking like Jerome Bettis hopping over a defensive tackle and continuing his running, right? Encarnacion, he's like, oh, hey, there's a man on the ground in front of me. And he leaps him and just kept going. Very nice athletic play by Encarnacion. Um, It's hit and run on 670 to score. What was so great about that is, I mean, among other things, that later on when Gio Gonzalez came into the game to relieve Renato Lopez, Gio's played for a long time. He knows Laz Diaz, and he was giving him the business for falling down. Marquis had it. This is Casper and Sean Marshall from Marquis last night. He was drafted by the White Sox in 04, and in 2020, finally pitched in a big league White Sox uniform for the first time. This is his 13th major league season, and Interesting, when he came into the game out of the right field bullpen, he had a couple of words for Laz Diaz. Laz is never going to hear the end of this. He said, nice going, Laz. So, hey, come on, man. Nice footwork. That's funny. And Gio, I don't know what he said, like, hey, you look good over there. Then he's laughing and Laz gives it back to him. Very funny to me. This segment is brought to you by Valparaiso University right here on 670 The Score. Here's the problem, that that throw was bad by Javi Baez. Bad throw in the third inning. That's why Rizzo had to come off the bag. That's why uh, Laz Diaz ended up falling down and Encarnacion had to top and had to jump over him. Just before that, double play ball to Baez. Bad throw to Jason Kipnis who's making the turn at second base. They can't complete the double play. And I'm like, oh, now we got a problem. Because Javier Baez is bringing his struggles at the plate out into the field. Now you got a real big problem. Because Javi's been bad at the plate. You, You probably knew the numbers. I think he was three for his last 36 at one point. When I watched that happen last night, the two bad throws, I'm thinking, oh boy, now now you you really got to do something because you can't have that. I'm thinking, I can't hit him third tomorrow. He shouldn't be hitting third because his at-bats have been brutal. His approach has has looked bad. He's not looking opposite field. He's breaking out the driver on every pitch. He's in his own head. But I will say that after that, seemed to wake up a little bit. Because the public shaming is something that is missing from the Javier Baez situation. The public shaming is something that is missing for a lot of these guys. When you say that having no fans might be affecting Javi, and he's been asked about it, I think it does absolutely affect Javi. 
if you've been to games, you've seen the direct relationship between Javi and the fans. You've seen him milk certain moments to have a longer reaction. I, I've seen him like tweak a knee a little bit and he walks a little slow back. And I've seen other media guys roll their eyes going, oh, Javi milking the moment. And then he's okay. And the fans are like, woo, thank God. Seen Javi make sure that he's the last guy on the field above the top step of the dugout to congratulate you Darvish one time when you really needed it and you was getting some love from the fans and Javi made sure he was there to pat him on the butt with the glove and be a part of it. Things like that. Like certain guys are performers and, and they live for that interaction with the public, be they singers or ballplayers or whatever. Here's Javi from last night after the game talking about missing the fans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I get motivated from from my fans, and you know, it's it's really weird to be honest. It's it's not it's not an excuse, but because it's, it's it's the same for for every team. But I mean, everybody's different. Everybody, some of them like them, some of them don't like you know having fans. Um, but everybody got different options. We gotta deal with it. We gotta we gotta deal with it, and you know we gotta play as a team and and just try try and win. All right. So I've been, I've been thinking, yeah, Javi misses the fans in a positive way. Well, guess what? When you're struggling, when you're really bad, then the public humiliation of having the fans be disappointed in you. You think there might have been booze by now for Javier Baez at Wrigley Field? Some some fans, like, w- would they have booed the bad throws? Would they have booed certain at-bats? Might, maybe. Certainly wouldn't be the kind of cheers and the kind of love that Javi feeds off. And you know that he's one of those guys that feeds off it. He just told you right there. So everybody's different. Javi's one of those guys that feeds off it. And in this sense, not having the public shaming of realizing you're not doing well. <sighs> you he, That guy needs um, to be awoken and needs... And maybe a demotion from third in the batting order would have motivated him. And, and it's still something that Ross could do. Last night, I'm thinking, all right, you, you got to do it. You got to, David, you got to, look, you're the manager. I think you're pretty good at your job. Seemingly, you're new at it. But if I were the manager and I think I could be a good one, I would move Javier Baez from third. But then he makes those two god-awful throws. And after that, next at bat, first single. first pitch, he ambushes hard line drive down the line. If you're watching, you know it's an out, but he hit that ball very, very hard. His next at bat, a walk. Very, very rare for Baez. His next at bat, a single. He made a nice, smooth defensive play to start a double play with a much better throw to Jason Kipnis at one point. These are the things you have to do as a professional, obviously. I'm not praising that. I'm just saying that he looked very on point. He looked together. He looked uh, attentive and good. So there's me in the middle of the game saying, all right, you got to do something. You got to motivate him, demote him down from third. And then by the end of that game, I'm thinking, nah, I put him back there hitting third. If it were me, I would put him back in third and give him one more chance publicly today to save some face, do some damage against the White Sox. If he stinks today, I move him down in the lineup. That's what I would do. So I'd give him one more game. Here's David Ross after the game talking about Javier Baez and uh, talking about what he sees out of him and uh, where his concern level is. Yeah, it's, it's coming. I feel like it's coming, you know, and, um, you know, I know there's a sense of urgency there for him as well. And, um, 
yeah, his last at bat was nice. See him get a base hit and the walk, the walk was nice. He didn't seem jumpy at all. Saw, seemed like he saw uh, the pitches well out of hand. Um, you know, it's a, a he, he's, he's working and, and, you know, it's nice to, to get some results. Hopefully um, getting that one tonight maybe, maybe helps him get going. Yeah, we'll see. This is the approach that Ross is taking right now is uh, he's, he's taking the approach of letting Javi figure it out. And maybe there'll be some moment that motivates him. There'll be something that locks him back in because he's got to stop swinging so damn hard every single time. He's got to stop. Ryan Sweeney was on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday. And I hadn't talked to Ryan before, but I thought this was good, honest stuff about what he's seeing from Javier Baez. Yeah, he just needs to shorten up a little bit. I mean, I think Carlos talked about it last night. Is uh, You know, I used to have a, a, a hitting coach to me in AA and AAA that would tell me, get your foot down, get your foot down. And I was always like, what did he mean? You know, like, what did he mean get your foot down? But it is like you have to be ready for those pitches and getting your foot down. is just a subtle thing for him. But I would like to see him shorten up. I know – it's tough. It's Javi Baez. We know he's going to go out there and swing the bat hard and go down to one knee a lot of the times on some of his swings. But, you know, he's just got to shorten up. When he gets two strikes on him, I mean, it's more important to, you know, try to drive the ball and put it in play than to try to hit that home run with the bases loaded. And I think last night, you know, these pitchers are throwing him outside and throwing throwing those sliders away, and he's kind of just flailing at it. And, you know, when you, when you have bases loaded with – you know, one out like he did last night, and you kind of just throw your bat out of slider away and, you know, ground into a double play, that's just a total uh, rally killer. Um, I mean, we know what type of hitter he is, and he's a good – I mean, the last two years that he's had have been unbelievable. But, um, you know, yeah, he just needs to stay within the strike zone, I think. You know, maybe maybe he get taking a couple walks, you know, would get him back on track, just being able to yeah. see the ball. Um, the wrong he, wrong guy you're picking out for a walk. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but taking a couple pitches, I mean, I know he swings at the first pitch a lot, but um, and I know when you're going bad, it's not easy. I was the yep. type of player like I didn't I didn't mind hitting with two strikes on me. You know, I felt like I could um, still drive the ball. And he, you saw him in early work, and he was working out. You know, he cares. You know, he wants to do better. Nobody wants to do bad, but you know, maybe just getting back to him driving the ball the opposite field like he has before. It's got to go opposite field. Joe Madden got in Javi's head in a very, very good way. And whenever he would need to, he had a way of, of getting Javi to look opposite field again. He's got to look opposite field. It gives him an extra split second to adjust. It slows him down a little bit. He's plenty powerful at 70% of that huge hard swing as opposed to 100% of that huge hard swing. Uh, let, let's see. Just just mark it down. Let's see if there's any sort of turning point last night when he makes those two god-awful throws and should be embarrassed about bringing his offensive struggles out into the field because he can't do that. Right now, that entire offense is scuffling. So if you're going to move down Javi from the third spot, what are you going to do? Move Contreras up? He's not really hitting it super hard lately, but he's having better at-bats. There's not many people having great at bats. There was a while there when they all were. We talked about it and it was huge praise. A week ago, a week ago, talked about the offense there. This is the way that you wanted them to look. Two weeks ago, we compared it to last year in September 
when the Cubs offense seemed broken and Jed Hoyer and, and Joe Madden talked about how they weren't doing what they need to do. Well, this week has been brutal. Hayward's had some good at-bats. Rizzo always does. Ian Happ is the dude. Ian Happ is that guy. He had a single the opposite way last night as a right-handed hitter. It was like, oh, boy, if he can do that. Those guys look good. Everybody else looks terrible. So they, they need to get their collective heads out of the collective rear offensively because the starting pitching has come back to earth a little bit. You Darvish today against Dylan Cease. So Eloy's had his chance against the Cubs, and now today Dylan Cease gets his chance against them. White Sox slugging is the story, and the Cubs scuffling is the story. As two days in a row, the White Sox have smacked the Cubs around with lots and lots of power, and they're looking good. And it must be awfully fun. It should be to be a hardcore Sox fan at this point. Um, We'll keep you updated on the Bears news and the NFL news as they've moved practice from this morning to this afternoon. There were nine positive tests originally from a lab in New Jersey that the NFL has been using, but the Bears have since confirmed that those are false positives. False positives. But they're waiting for a little more information, a little more clarity before they just have practice this afternoon. So it's hopefully just a scare and nothing more than that for the Bears. We'll keep you updated, and if anything else happens uh, in that way, we will again segue to bump and run. But we continue on hit and run on 670 The Score. A.J. Pruszynski at 11. Sean Marshall coming up at the top of the hour right here on 670 The Score. I found a real sweetheart who'll never let me down. Got no time to fuss, I'll miss the bus. Maybe baby will be cross, cross town. Little Glenn Miller for your crosstown series here with the White Sox and the Cubs. I I want to hear from fans of both teams about how you've noticed the buzz that this series should have. If there has been a noticeable buzz for you, because the cruel irony of fanlessness right now is is obvious to everybody. This is the best these two teams have ever been to play against each other. The best. Their combined winning percentage of 620 as of Friday was the highest it has ever been for the Cubs Sox playing in the regular season. Jason Bonetti had that the other day on Twitter. Think about that. It's crazy. They've never been this good. This is year one of a of a dreamy uh, crosstown World Series theoretical window as the Cubs are trying to hold on to their winning window desperately and the White Sox are entering it. They both look like playoff teams to me. We are halfway through the season and there's no fans. How cruel would it be to have a White Sox-Cubs World Series with no fans allowed in the stands? But I'd like to hear from you at at 312-644-6767. Texters, get on in. And callers, we will take you after we talk to Sean Marshall. I want to hear from you about if you have noticed the buzz, if you have felt it, Did what did you do or what have you done? Have you interacted with fans? Have you had safe get-togethers with, with people? Have you been smack-talking in text threads? I've had some of that going on. How did it manifest for you, the White Sox-Cubs thing, with no ability to go there, no ability to go to a bar, really? 
and sit with people and, 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 and give each other hell and cheer and drink and do whatever you want to do. It's so weird. I want to know how it manifested for you. 312-644-6767 is the number to text and to call. It is hit and run. We'll come back and talk to Sean Marshall from the Marquee Sports Network, AJ Pruszynski in one hour right here on Hit and Run. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.